everybody. Welcome to the Large Nerdron Collider podcast, a podcast that's all about the geeky stuff happening in the world around us and how very excited we are about it. I'm Ariel Kasten, and with me, as always, is the brilliant, wonderful Jonathan Strickland. There's been a murder. What? what? Are you There's... all right? Jonathan. I'm, I'm fine. No, I'm just saying you're slaying it. Oh, well, thank you. That's very kind of you today. <laughs> How are you doing, Ariel? I'm good. I'm good. I'm recording in uh, my taping space today, as opposed to where I normally record. So uh, that's exciting. You get to look at me with the full-on blare of uh, film lights. Well, it's it's funny because you have a, um, you know, obviously our, our listeners can't see this, but you have like a, a light blue background and it almost looks like you're, you're recording like outside and you have the camera set very low and pointed toward the sky. And I expect to see like birds and clouds and stuff. Maybe Superman. What? I, it, it will distract me and the listeners won't be able to see it, but I will do like little hand puppet birds and Supermans and Spider-Mans in the background just for you, Jonathan. That's awesome. I, I, I sense that it will have absolutely no impact upon the quality of our podcast. Probably not. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Probably not. So this week, um, you know, it was a lighter news week and I was debating, I didn't actually talk to Jonathan about this, but I was debating doing one of our listener suggestions because I really want to get to them. And then like last minute we got some news and then I also got an audition, woohoo, and a couple other things. So it's going to just be a, a light news week episode, but that's, uh, that's fine and that's fun. Yeah, we won't, we won't predict that this is going to be a short episode because every time we do, we prove ourselves wrong, but, uh, it, there's more room for, for us to, to kind of uh, improvise and, and extemporize, but, uh, we were going to start off this light news episode by making it even lighter with one of our patented 30 seconds or less segments. Yes. And I think you start this time, don't you, Jonathan? I do. So I am going to start the timer. Now, Netflix's co-founder and co-CEO Reed Hastings is stepping down from his CEO role, uh, which came as kind of a surprise. He's co-CEO along with Ted Sarandos. And uh, now it, the uh, former COO of the company will be taking Reed Hastings place. And uh, yeah, Reed Hastings is going to be executive chairman, so he's still going to be part of the company. But this was a pretty big surprise change. Done. Well done, Jonathan. Um, all right. I'm ready if you are. Sure. Get ready and go. All right. So for three and a half years, Marvel movies have not been allowed to play in China, and that um, is getting fixed. So... China's now allowing Marvel movies again, and they're going to show Ant-Man, Quantumania, whatever that title is. 30 seconds, bam. <laughs> yeah, well, you 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 are finished early. Yeah, no, this is big news for Marvel. We know that China is a huge market. It's also one that has uh, pretty restrictive content regulations on it. And uh, so it's not it's not difficult to get banned in China. And um, and a lot that's also why a lot of movies, when they're creating bad guys, start using fictional places now because they don't want to get banned in markets and lose out on that sweet, sweet money. Mm -hmm. OK, I'm going to do my next one and I am going to 
go. So you remember Tron? I came out, came out in 1982 and then we got Tron Legacy, which came out like two decades later. Well, now we're finally hearing that Tron 3 is on track to go with Jared Leto as part of it. Apparently, he's been a big champion for the project for quite some time. So no clear cut case on when this might come out, but Tron 3 is in the works. We also know the Tron ro- uh, roller coaster is opening up in Disney World this April. So yes. there you go. Yeah, I was about to say on track. Was that was that purposefully? It it funny? wasn't, but I I will allow the pun to continue. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I, quick aside, I'm not super excited about Jared Leto in general, but hopefully, if he's a fan of the property, it'll be a good movie. Yeah, I. Uh, you know what? One hundred percent, same page. I I actively do not like Jared Leto, not for his acting, but but for his off screen shenanigans in his method mm-hmm. acting case. Uh, so I'm not a fan of him that way, but if this means that he's going to have, I don't know, like uh, fluorescent light tubes implanted into his skin, go for it. <laughs> All right. You ready? Yes. Go. So Avatar, you know, that movie that came out a long time ago and then we just got another one, The Way of Water, not The Last Airbender. Um, The new Avatar movies apparently are not all going to have Jake Sully as the narrator. James Cameron said that the narrator is going to change for each subsequent movie coming up. Sorry to all you Jake Sully fans. I, you know what? First of all, I don't think those words have ever been spoken. Uh, (laughs) But second of all, I want to say like, like, honestly, I, this is where I have to admit that I had not opened up every single link in our lineup. I legit thought this was going to refer to Avatar The Last Airbender. Oh, uh, yes, because that's what James Cameron does. Um, well, it doesn't say James Cameron in the show notes. It says it in the link. If you read the link. I did. I did. I just said I didn't click on it. You think I'm going to read no, something and read, not click on it? If you read the words in the link. I just says, read the description. Uh, slash James dash Cameron dash fires dash Jake dash Sully dash as dash avatars dash <laughs> narrator. And then a whole bunch of numbers. One, eight, four, nine, nine. Here's the thing. All I did was get as far as new avatar narrator for each <laughs> sequel. That's as far as I read. And I went no further, uh, but I've got another one to do. So I'll just go ahead and do it now. Uh, Outlander, the the series that's about a woman from the World War II era who finds herself transported back in time to, to 18th century with uh, Scottish Highlanders, is getting an eighth and final season. But do not despair, Outlander fans, because there is also a prequel season called Outlander Blood of My Blood going into production. And the creator of the Outlander series is behind it. So it will be true to form done. I have many thoughts on that, but this is the 30 seconds or less <laughs> section. So well, I, I am curious about your thought. I full disclosure, I have never seen an episode or read any of the Outlander books. So we have a lot of friends that won't watch Outlander because as much romance and whatever as as there is in it, there's also a lot of um, non-consensual stuff in there. Yes. Um, and our friends, either that's a trigger and rightfully so, or they mm-hmm. think it's lazy writing. Um, rightfully so. Even though it is, you know, not was not uncommon back then. They don't need to watch it. And I totally get that. But I, I have seen a lot of it. And one, I feel like, yes, we're, we're getting to a point where the show needs to end because we're in colonial America now. But also, uh, 
I feel like if you're watching the show, you're watching it for the interpersonal relationships with Claire and Jamie. And I don't think a prequel will give you that. Yeah, it's going to be about his parents. Yeah, I guess I guess that's I guess that's okay. I you know, his parents apparently were interesting people. I just. Uh, Yeah, I mean, you know, maybe maybe when we start getting promotional materials, you'll take a look and you'll say, oh, wait, hold on. More steamy Scottish people. Sign me up. (laughs) I mean, I if I don't say that at least twice a week, uh, am I even living? Uh, Right. Are you ready for your next one? Yes. And go. So there's that Hulu show, Only Murders in the Building, that has Selena Gomez and Martin Short and Steve Martin in it. Uh, Well, they're getting another big name added to the upcoming season, season three, and that is Meryl Streep. She's an amazing actress. She can do comedy and drama and dramedy and everything in between. So I look forward to seeing what she brings to the show. Cool. Yeah, I mean, she's she's a phenomenal actress. Also, like one of the more uh, charming interview subjects I've seen. Mm -hmm. Uh, I remember watching Graham Norton and her appearance on that. And she was just, she absolutely commanded the couch uh, as one of the interviewees to the point where Mark Ruffalo kind of totally fell over himself, which was adorable. Yeah. Uh, All right. Well then here's my next one and I'm going to go. So Amazon Prime, as the day we're putting this podcast out, released a teaser for Invincible Season 2. It features the character of Invincible chatting with um, the alien guy whose name I forget. And it gets into a very meta discussion of why it's taken so long for the second season to come out. Like they actually give animation explanations. And then they say that it'll be out by the end of this year. Done. I liked season one. I didn't actually get a chance to watch this teaser, um, but um, it was a, it was it was good. This is not it's, for everybody, but it was it's, good. It's cute because the aliens like, well, we haven't seen much of you. What have you been up to? He's like, oh, you know, sketches, coloring, uh, <laughs> posing for <laughs> motion, like all this. Like he was giving all the animation steps that you have to go through in order to create an animated mm-hmm. series. And uh, like it, like I said, it was very meta. So you don't you don't see anything like any hint of where the second season is going to go there's nothing it's just these two characters talking in a diner but it's very cute Uh, all right are you ready for your uh your ultimate uh 30 seconds or less news item of course i am why why even ask and go so for everybody who had the reaction when it was announced that Hugh Jackman was going to be Wolverine in Deadpool 3 but didn't he die in Logan don't worry the news has broken that he in fact got permission from Logan director James James Mangold to play Wolverine again Uh, I I still have no idea how how, but uh, it's sure to be fun you know, now that they've introduced the multiverse in the MCU, you literally could just say this is a parallel version Fair. of Wolf- like it's not the same Wolverine as the Logan Wolverine. So there there are a lot of different options or you just say, well, this happens before the story of Logan happens. Like there are a lot of different options and um, I think they'll be just fine. But I, I am really eager to see this simply because the friendship between Jackman and Reynolds is such a fun one to watch that I imagine there's no, there's no hope, but it spilling over onto screen. So I'm really looking forward to that. Me too. 
Okay. You, here's, here's, here's my last one. Or did you, I'm sorry. Did I cut you no, off? You did not. Okay. Well then here's my last 30 seconds or less news item and go. Uh, hey, fans of the Chucky series. Good news. It's renewed for a third season and. Uh, Yay. Yeah. I, I mean, like I, here's the, I have not watched any of the Chucky series. I've heard that it's entertaining, but I haven't seen it. Uh, I have watched at least a few of the child's play movies, although I didn't get I, I keep hearing that the like Bride of Chucky is a great movie and all this kind of stuff. I haven't seen those yet. I've seen the first couple, which are definitely more of the the cheesy kind of horror movie stuff that we're used to back in the like 90s and, and all that. But I haven't, you know, I haven't been a good horror fan. I haven't seen these. You know what? Uh, not every horror is for everybody. I honestly didn't know we got past a season one of Chucky. <laughs> well, we did. And now we're getting a season three. So uh, this lets us segue over into the news. Now, now, Ariel, did you want me to chat about the stuff, what I've been watching first? Or do you want to just go through the news and then finish out the episode that way? Um, huh. Well, that is a good question, Jonathan, and not one I've given any thought to. And being a person who is paralyzed by decision, it's great. Uh, you know, let's go ahead and talk about what you watched. In that way, uh, when you get all depressed, we can bring it back to some happy stuff. That sounds good because our first news item is also depressing. But anyway, um, yeah. Okay. So since the last episode, I watched the first four episodes of Velma, which is the you know tongue-in-cheek Scooby-Doo prequel following uh, the character of Velma. And uh, and sort of like alternate universe versions of the Scooby gang with no no Scooby present. Mm -hmm. And it's it's received a lot of mixed reviews. Uh, My own personal opinion is that. It's I don't find it funny. I'm not saying the show isn't funny. I'm saying I don't find it funny. I appreciate what they're going for because they're going for a kind of Venture Brothers or C-Lab 2021 kind of thing where they're satirizing the the original property mm-hmm. as well as making like relevant cultural references and jokes and and I get all that and it's not like I disagree I just I don't know the execution of it doesn't work for me so um again I don't think it's a bad show I just I, maybe it's I'm too old to appreciate it It's interesting because there was a, a bit of um a little bit, not a huge amount of uproar on the internet because everybody thought that it was like the humor was outdated. And I, I do think there is a place for satire in today's community, but I like, you know, Brooklyn nine, nine ended because people wanted a more situational, uh, relatable, kinder humor, uh, currently. And, you know, Maybe maybe it's just missed its mark. I know some people feel like maybe it's putting a little bit too much politics or, or controversial worldviews into it um, uh, in a way that like, uh, you know, I'll OK, I'll just say it that they feel like some of the jokes are, are outdated white boy uh, conservative type jokes. Um, and, you know, I haven't watched it, so I don't know, but it is interesting because uh, well. Mindy Kaling got a lot of backlash for it. And she says she's not necessarily conservative. And also she didn't write the episodes. So the the jokes, it's more like there are a lot of jokes that are about how 
people of color characters saying things like, uh, like, why aren't you happy? We're seeing a, for once we're seeing a white guy go to prison, uh, unjustly. Like we should be enjoying this, that kind of thing. And I'm like, I get, you know, I'm getting the satire. Like I see where the edge is. It just doesn't feel like it's hitting to me. And I, I can certainly appreciate a show that takes aim at things like the patriarchy and white supremacism and all this kind of stuff. I, I think that that's warranted and needed. Hmm. I just don't feel the show does it very well. But again, it may just be that my, that's because it's through my own filter and perhaps other people get a lot more value out of it than I do. Yeah. I mean, uh, again, that goes back to why there are so many different kinds of shows for different kinds of people. Um, yep. Yeah. I mean, I I'll price. I'll probably stick with it. I'll probably see because I think there's like eight episodes in the season or something and I've watched gotcha. half of them. So I'll probably stick with it to see how the storyline plays out. But yeah, moment to moment, it is. I, I haven't laughed once. It has not made me laugh a single time. Uh, and I haven't been sitting there determined not to laugh. I'm like, I'm I'm ready to engage. Mm-hmm. It just hasn't hooked for me. But Unlike, that's okay because then you watch The Laugh of Us, right? The, the, it wasn't The Laugh of Us, No. No, if it had been the laugh of us, I might have made it through without crying. No, it was the last of us. Um, Okay, so I don't want to give any spoilers because there may be people out there who haven't played the game and who plan to watch the show and just haven't gotten to it yet. Me. Okay, so (laughs) I'm not going to give spoilers. I will say in in the most general sense possible that both the video game and the show have an extremely traumatic uh, event occur that ends up shaping one of the protagonists and makes that character who they are. And so you understand why this character is making decisions and behaving in certain ways because you've seen the trauma this character has gone through. Now I have played the game and uh, I got to this point in the game and it's early. It's like within the first 10 minutes of playing the game. I got to this point in the game Ariel, I nearly had to put the controller down and just walk away because that's how hard this moment hit me. And I don't I don't typically get emotionally invested in video games, but but the way this this moment was played out in the video game, it is so emotionally heartbreaking that I wasn't sure I would be able to continue. And and there are other like also very emotionally traumatic moments that happen within the course of the game. Mm-hmm. So I spent the first half hour of the last of us, which episode one, which is like an hour and a half long. It's a very long episode. I spent the first half hour dreading this moment. And like, I'm sure you've had the experience where you've watched something that you've seen before and you're kind of wishing that something different could happen, but you know, it can't. Yeah. 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 That's how I was for the first 30 minutes of this episode, wishing so hard that it wouldn't go the way I knew it was going to go. And when it did go the way it was going to go, which is what it had to do in order to define these characters, I had to pause the playback because I was sobbing. I mean, so uh, there's there's definitely a place for that. And, and well done for them being able to hit those emotional moments so clearly, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. There's that. I mean, I, again, I don't want to give much away, but I would also say that the, the event is, is it leverages a, uh, a trigger that I think would affect most people. So it's like, yeah. 
in some ways you might argue that, oh, well, they took it's kind of like when you see a uh, see a, a movie and an animal gets hurt, huh. like like when you see that happen, you know, you like you realize, oh, well, they orchestrated for this to happen in the story because they wanted the audience to feel a certain way. And it almost comes it can come across as being a crutch or cheap. Mm-hmm. You could make a similar argument for the beginning of this. Uh, but they handle it in such a way where even if you were to make that argument, you'd still have to say, well, it was really freaking effective. Gotcha. Gotcha. I do plan on watching this first episode and then, you know, maybe I'll, I'll say whether or not I had a similar reaction. Um, the interesting thing to me is I know horrible things happen in the game, which is why honestly I haven't played it because I, play video games to be entertained and as amazing as the story and the acting and the art is in it like it just seems so so sad uh but the the trailer for the last of us actually made me feel like more hopeful than the walking dead per se um yeah uh i think i think we're gonna have to uh, judge it episode by episode because at least in the game uh you spend a pretty much an equal amount of time trying to avoid and or kill essentially zombies. That's not what they are, but you might as well just call them zombies and other really bad people. And it's very similar to walking dead in that way, right? Like walking dead, the theme of that show eventually became the real monsters are other human beings. The zombies are totally predictable. You know what they're going to do. You know how they're going to behave but other people are unpredictable and they're terrible. That's what, that's what the walking dead taught us. Well, it's not that different, at least in the video game version of the last of us, not to say that every single person that they encounter is terrible, but that there is no shortage of terrible people that populate the world of the video game. So we'll have to see how that plays out in the show. Um, I suspect they won't lean into that too hard because if they do, then it just becomes walking dead except this time it's fungus yeah yeah um i guess we'll we'll see uh i everybody i know who has seen it whether or not they've had that giant emotional reaction and most of the people i know probably would have um have said that it's really well done so it's the acting the cinematography everything about the technical approach to this is 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 stellar like if this doesn't get nominated for all the awards, it will be shocking because of how well it's done. The money that they spent is evident on screen. <laughs> yeah. For, for those who don't recall from the myriad of times we talked about it, uh, last of us and rings of power were kind of fighting to see who would be the most expensive TV show for streaming. Yeah. Or TV show ever made really. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And when you make TV shows that are too expensive and you don't make it back on streaming, you end up in a similar position to uh let's say movie theaters who just don't have enough people going in to watch movies yeah ariel is alluding to our first story story very clunkily well it's it's that the the regal cinemas chain uh is part of a a larger company cineworld and um cineworld had filed for bankruptcy late last year so bankruptcy does not mean that a business necessarily goes kaput. Like it's, it's a way to manage debt and to create ways to pay back creditors and that sort of stuff. It's kind of like refinancing. 
right? And you can get out of bankruptcy and then make a recovery and go on to be a successful business. It's not a guarantee, but it's a possibility. However, in the process of bankruptcy, you typically have to look at some real tough choices as to how to deal with the assets you have, whether that means selling stuff off or shutting things down. And in the case of Cineworld, the decision includes shutting down 39 movie theaters of the Regal Cinemas chain across the United States. Yeah, I was surprised to see none of the ones on the list are in Georgia, unless I... No, no, none of them are. There are no Georgian uh, theaters in that list. Now, you have to remember, Regal Cinemas has like 500 movie theaters. So this is this is a significant number. 39 is a lot, but it's not like you're going to hit every single state. In fact, New York and California account for uh, several of the theaters that are on that list. But yeah, there aren't any in Georgia. We do have a Regal Cinemas in... Um, uh, what, what is it? It's uh, the fancy schmancy uh, mall. And Avalon. And we also have one in just in just in Dudwoody near Perimeter Mall as well. Is it Phipps Plaza that I was trying to think of? I, maybe. Yeah, I think it is. Because that's like Phipps Plaza. For those of y'all not in Atlanta, Phipps Plaza is where all the rich folk go shopping. Like, let's say that you, you're between yachts and you want to go window shopping. That's where you go. Okay, yeah, you said fancy, and I thought Avalon, but yeah, Phipps Plaza is definitely fancier than Avalon. <laughs> uh, but there are there are a few Regal Cinemas in in Georgia. Uh, there, one of them is closing in New Hampshire in Concord, which you know New Hampshire isn't that big of a state, so you know how how many yeah. movie theaters do they actually have? I don't know. I haven't been to a movie in New Hampshire since I was a small child. Well, and uh, this, this this is also one of the things that makes it kind of sad too, because. You don't hear about it as much, but there are certain chains that get certain movies, but they don't get other movies. For example, the Phipps Plaza Regal Cinemas I was talking about, like every time a Marvel movie came out, you wouldn't find it on those screens. You'd have to go to one of the other, you know, one of the other theaters in in Atlanta. You couldn't see it at Phipps Plaza. So uh, if you lose a theater in your in your city, it may be a bigger blow than just like, oh, well, we'll have to go to this other theater instead. It may mean that there are certain films that just don't get to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's unfortunate. But also, you know, they need to do what they need to do to stay in business. So I completely understand. Mm-hmm. Uh, On to some fun news. If you like Magic the Gathering and you also like Disney and you have always, always wished that these two great tastes could taste great together, you are in luck because... Disney has a Magic-esque card game coming out uh, this August. Yeah, it's called Lorcana, And apparently there's already like a a hefty market like of people trying to to. To corner the market on these cards and because they're looking at it like it's a like it's a commodity, right? The same sort of thing that you would see with Magic or Pokemon cards, people buying up boxes of the things in order to to sell them. And as far as I know, uh, I don't even know that these things are available yet. So I don't know how all the speculation is already happening. I, yeah, I don't know. Maybe just, uh, from pre previews and promos and things like that. Uh, yeah. if you're, if you're at Gen Con, you can get them a little bit early instead of waiting till middle August, you can get them at the beginning of August. Yeah. And, uh, apparently they're going to be three different starter decks which are called Amber and Amethyst for one, 
emerald and ruby for another and steel and sapphire for a third. And then, uh, so th- this was what kind of determines the style of play you will follow because it, you know, maybe one deck favors a longer, slower style of play where you, you build up your strength and then in the late game you strike others might be like, no, you go come out firing early on. You might not have a whole lot of like powerful cards, but you're able to start much earlier and you figure out what style uh, matches well with your own preference of play. And you start building from there. Like that's how all the different card games I'm familiar with have worked. So yeah, you know, it's pretty typical stuff. So I imagine like I, first of all, we know that Disney is a master of, of marketing and merchandising. We know that Disney fans are avid collectors. I imagine they won't be able to keep these cards on store shelves. People will be buying them up just to collect them, not even to use them Mm -hmm. in play. Yeah. I think it's going to be really popular, especially for anybody who's still feeling a little bit hurt, maybe about um, magic, the gathering and wizards of the coast right now. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I remember magic of the gathering when that came out and everyone referred to it as like the most addictive kind of, uh, of, of playing game, for for D and D fans, like there were folks who just went nuts for um, Magic the Gathering cards when they first, and of course it's still popular. But I mean, it was such a craze. I imagine this is going to also be a craze. Maybe not for the playing part so much as for the collecting part. Like I gotta catch them all. Yeah, yeah. Uh, speaking of catching things, did you catch the season trailer for season three of The Mandalorian? I did. I watched it and. You know, uh, if people did not watch the book of Boba Fett, they're probably confused mm-hmm. because because the the trailer heavily features uh, Mando with uh, Baby Yoda. I'm not going to call him Grogu, Baby Yoda. And <laughs> um, and for people who didn't watch Book of Boba Fett and don't know how they were reunited, it's going to be really confusing. Here's the real kicker. I cannot actually recommend watching Book of Boba Fett because I, it wasn't very good. I can't either. Um, and honestly, as much as I loved the first two seasons of Mandalorian, it kind of ruined my excitement for this third season. Uh, I think as soon as I hear that theme play, I'll be back on Ba-da-da. board. I can't even <laughs> do it. I was going to try to do it, but I can't. That uh, that and the hoof, like that yeah. kind of stuff. Like I'll be I'll be right back. And like there's going to be no shortage of Mandalorian action because you see so many people in Mandalorian armor in yeah. this little, in this little trailer. So, um, I, I, I kind of, I still wish they didn't reunite Mando with Grogu that quickly. I think it would have been more effective to keep them apart for longer. I agree. Uh, the only other thing about the trailer, uh, and then we'll move on is that, uh, one of the cities that he was walking through really felt like Batu. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah, it would have been funny to see someone walk by in a goofy T-shirt or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would have been great. I would have paid to see that. That, that would be the best blooper. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm I, sure I'm going to love it. Like, I love the first two seasons. I really, I love the Western feel of it. I still need to watch Andor because I've heard from everyone who's watched it that that was their favorite not just their favorite Star Wars series, but possibly their favorite Star Wars anything. And I you still see, haven't seen it. I I liked Rogue One. I watched Rogue One twice. In fact, I watched it once right after they announced that Carrie Fisher had passed away. So that was rough. Uh, but 
uh, I couldn't get into Andor. I just, it was slow. And by the time stuff happened, I didn't care about the characters and I really didn't care about Andor, despite me thinking he was a lot of fun in Rogue One. I I had, I had heard that it starts super slow and you have to get past like the first three or four episodes before things really turn up, which is unfortunate because like you say, like that's, that's enough time for someone, especially after the book of Boba Fett, let's be real here Mm -hmm. after the book of Boba Fett. If you aren't hooked by episode two book of Boba Fett, burn everyone so badly that that you really risk losing your audience. I I also think in Andor there were just two, because I made it through episode four or five and I still was just like, Mm. eh. and that's why they, they uh, dropped all three, like the first three episodes I think is, is so that you could get to that third episode where something actually happens that you might actually care about. Um, I think they fall into like a, a flashback uh, pit again, um, which doesn't help the show for me at least. And then without spoilers. Yeah. Like, we know Mon Mothma is in the series. You know that. I don't think I'm spoiling that, but I cared about her character. I, and there were some other bits, but it was just, it was, there was too much to slog through. And everybody's like, oh, it's okay if you didn't like it. It was really dark. I'm like, I didn't even think it was that dark. I just felt it was boring and I couldn't connect with the people. So Gotcha. Well, you are the only person. <laughs> I know. I know who has watched it, who, who did not connect to it at all. Uh, like, like a lot of the podcasts I listen to, there are people who just are casually saying like, yeah, indoor, like I loved it. It was the best thing ever. And I keep thinking, man, I need to make time for that because I just, I, I haven't, I haven't sat down to watch any of it yet. You do. And I'll finish the series and then we can talk about our, our same or different opinions. I'm guessing you'll like it. You know, maybe, yeah. maybe if I give it a second shot, like Battlestar Galactica, the new one, I'll like it. Uh, Something else, if I give another shot, maybe I'll like more, is the final season of the new Animaniacs series. Yeah, kind of, um, I was kind of surprised that they just went ahead and announced it as being the final season. And, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, I get it. Animation's also, it's expensive, it's slow. We learned that from Invincible when mm-hmm. his, in this teaser for this next season. But, um, yeah, I was like, wow, that, that revival didn't last very long. I mean, I... There were bits in in the first season that I liked, but all in all, it it didn't quite hit the same notes for me as the original did. And like it can't fully. Right. Because you you have to evolve with uh, what's going on currently, because that's that's part of the fun of Animaniacs and really a lot of Warner Brothers cartoons. But it just it fell kind of flat. It also I think some of the animators uh, that worked on it also worked on Ren and Stimpy, if I'm remembering correctly. I may not be. Don't quote me on it. And like there was just a level of unattractive cartoon to it that I didn't like. Gotcha. Yeah, I know that. I think you were the one who was telling me that you you've had that same sort of reaction to the kind of retro style Mickey Mouse cartoons that mm-hmm. that Disney released, which I absolutely love that series. But for its humor, but I do wish that they had eased off a bit on the grotesque nature, especially for Goofy, who does come yeah. across as truly grotesque in that series. Uh, I wish they had eased off of that just a touch. But uh, yeah, I, I understand. I, I feel like the way you're describing Animaniacs and the reboot is a lot like how I feel about the the Bell various series. revivals of Futurama. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so you're just trying to tap into a good thing, but also make it modern and it loses something. Um, 
that being said, the trailer for season three looks fine. Although Yakko sounds weird to me. I'll tell you what I think about because yes. I agree that Yakko's voice sounds different, but it's because of his S's. Like there's there's a little more zzz to it. And if uh, I had to guess, I would guess that the voice actor who provides the voice for Yakko has had dental work done perhaps dentures. Yes. And that's why, and that's why Yakko sounds that way. I was, I was thinking the same thing. Um, although Wacko sounds completely the same, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's fine. It's allowed to grow. I'll probably try to catch it just to be a completionist. I really loved the original series of Animaniacs and, you know, no, that's, there are worse ways to waste an afternoon. Uh, speaking of really old people trying to do comedy, uh, we got the trailer for History of the World Part 2. Yeah. So History of the World Part 1 is one of Mel Brooks's comedies, uh, often viewed as one of his lesser comedies. Uh, it, did not re- it did not review particularly well when it came out. Uh, it is the film that gave us the phrase, it's good to be the king which I used, <laughs> I used as my, my character motto for, uh, for the Georgia Renaissance festival for my first season as the mayor, except of course I said, it's good to be the mayor. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was my character. That was one of my character choices when I first joined the Renaissance festival back in 1999. So you, um, you a fan of the movie? Uh, I like parts of the movie. Like it, it really is one of his lesser works. Like if you watch it, there are moments that are really funny. There are moments that are, I feel are big misses. Um, it gets a little bit like it doesn't get outright raunchy, but it plays with raunchy a lot more than say young Frankenstein or even blazing saddles does. And it gets to a point where for me, and I, I can deal with raunchy humor, but it just felt for me like it started to get a little gratuitous. Like it wasn't, it wasn't so much funny as it just felt like, okay, this is starting to creep into awkward territory where you start to worry that the person making the decisions here is a predatory man who wants to see as many young people in as little clothing as possible. Yeah. (laughs) But you know what? I didn't get that feeling from this new trailer. No, I didn't get the feeling like this new trailer is for a comedy because comedies have funny things in them. (laughs) I will say, uh, yeah, the trailer didn't. There were a couple of things in the trailer that made me chuckle, uh, but I am I am a little sleep deprived and I didn't watch it till last night. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but the thing I do like is just the and the first movie had this, too. And all Mel Brooks movies honestly have this the breadth of comedic talent he's got in the movie. Like there's a comedian for everyone in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, there's there are a lot of people you will recognize if you if you watch the trailer uh, I don't, I don't know. I just felt like none of the jokes were landing for me. Now, again, it's in a trailer, so it's also out of context. Maybe with a little more setup, I would appreciate it more, but, uh, none of it really, none of it made me want to watch it. Um, the end of history of the world part one has a joking look at what history of the world part two will include in it. But it's just a joke, right? It's kind of like, Ariel, you know, like when I used to write the mildly exciting Tales of Astonishment episodes, I would end each one with a join us next week when we hear so-and-so say, but the big joke was that would never appear in the next episode. 
Like yeah. I, that was just a, that was just a throwaway gag at the end of a, of an episode. And the next episode would have nothing to do with whatever the previous episode was. Same sort of thing with history of the world. Part one night. Part of the joke was there was not going to be a history of the world. Part two. So, yeah. um, I mean, I don't know. Like, I feel like a lot of Mel Brooks's efforts, uh, in the last like couple of decades, have mostly fallen short for me with the exception of the producer's musical, which I uh, think is good, but not as good as the original movie. See, I like the musical better than the original movie, but I think that's just because of when I was introduced to both. Um, no, that makes sense. I, and I totally get that. Like it also, I think that really does play a big part of it, right? Like whichever one you encounter first, you're probably going to have, you know, slightly more, uh, affection for than the you're always going to be comparing the second one to whatever you saw first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But if, if uh history of the world part two is not your, uh, your cup of tea, nor any of the other things we've talked about, don't worry because Netflix just announced every movie they're making this year, pretty much. Um, there's a big long list on Polygon, uh, but the trailer, cause they also released a trailer on YouTube for it just as like to tease some of the stuff. If last year was sci-fi and fantasy, this year just looks like it's just a bunch of action. Yeah, yeah, like like the Extractor Two with uh-huh. uh, with Hemsworth in it, like that kind of stuff. Or Extraction Two, not Extractor. Extractor Two, I think, would be about a dentist. Extraction Two, uh, kill <laughs> Luther, and I like Luther, but Luther Fallen Son, Heart of Stone, which is awesome because it's Gal Gadot as an intelligence operative. But you know, it's just it's a lot of drama and a lot of action this year. There's the mother, which is a a, a female assassin story. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, a lot of that. Now there were some other things like Leo, which is an animated uh, film where you've got a a a lizard uh, called mm-hmm. Leo that's the pet of a of a of a like a classroom. And the little bit that they showed, like it was, a, you know, this trailer is just a compilation of very short clips of these various projects but the little bit that i saw was like okay you know what that i get a little sense of the tone i'm call me curious i'm i am curious about leo it looks like it could be cute i don't know anything else about it so i would need to see more before i really you know it may be like the actual trailer i'd be like nope i'm out but the bit i saw was cute yeah, uh, there a couple other movies are coming out on Netflix that I am excited about. Damsel, which is um, L from Stranger Things in like a fantasy setting as a, a kick-ass kind of uh, young fighter woman. Uh, you People, which is not a movie that I like. If you gave me the concept, I would be I would say eh, I've seen that before. But the trailer looks really great. It's uh, Jonah Hill and Lauren London fall in love and then their families have to meet. And it's uh, a Jewish family and a black family kind of dealing with all of that social aspect of everything. Yeah. Um, and Eddie, Eddie Murphy is the father of, uh, of Lauren London's character. And uh, yeah. And the, the little teasers they've shown of that little, the really awkward meeting in the restaurant uh, really dial up how funny Eddie Murphy is while being like a, a, passive like like 
hard ass because he's just mm-hmm. staring down Jonah Hill, but he's so funny in it. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, I'm looking forward to that one. We're getting an untitled Wes Anderson Roll doll film. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, uh, maybe James is force fed a giant peach. I don't know. Like, We're getting a, like a 1970s pulpy mystery caper called They Cloned Tyrone. Um, and something called Rebel Moon, which just looks like Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So some of the stuff here, like literally we don't have enough information to kind of determine what the heck this is. But, um, you know, it's, I, I'll say this, like when I watched that teaser, the only thing that really jumped out at me initially was Leo. But again, you see like maybe three seconds of each piece. Well, so it's so it's not like it's not like it's not like none of this is going to be cool. It's just that I haven't seen enough for it to hook me. Yeah, I also think that Leo is the only animated thing they put in that trailer for this year. I think you're right. Yeah. Well, and we know that Netflix did some massive cuts to its animation department. Like that was one of the that was one of the divisions that was hit hardest last year when the company started making cuts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we have two more quick stories uh, before we wrap up. Uh, we also got because uh, a trailer for Linoleum came out, which we had talked about a while ago, but that didn't make the cut. So instead, we're going to talk about the trailer for Scream Six. <laughs> yeah, this one. Did you watch the trailer? I did. It it looked more serious to me than I'm used to Scream being. Well, and it also. I mean, maybe it's just the way the trailer was cut, but it also almost seemed to suggest that there was some sort of supernatural element to the killer this time. And in the past, in all the screen films, the the thing you can take home is that the killer or killers in some cases are just humans and they're donning this outfit in an effort to terrorize certain people. And that, you know, after the first film, each one ends up being like a copycat of previous killers who's determined to put their own spin on it and be the most effective killer of all time. In this trailer, there's a moment where the 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 ghost face killer character appears to teleport <laughs> briefly because he is able to to get out of the way of a gunshot before he could be hit. And I was like. How did that happen? Like, is it, are they introducing a supernatural element into the Scream franchise? Or is this one of those things that ends up being conveniently explained away in the last five I, minutes of the movie? I think conveniently explained away would be my guess. Either that or it's a very like Evangelion sort of situation where you wake up and it was all a dream. Congratulations. Oh, that's a good point. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Um. So maybe this this girl watched too many scream movies and is like in a hospital because she's in a coma dreaming about scream who knows yeah well and we do get to see the return of several characters from previous entries in the franchise right like mm-hmm. hayden uh, panettieri comes back and she was in a previous scream film and and this is the first time we've seen her since in that franchise since that movie uh, of course um Monica from friends shows up again. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, she lost her, she lost her love in the last one. Spoiler, by the way, David Arquette's character got killed in the last one. Um, so, so, uh, Gail Weathers is flying solo on this one. Uh, but well, of course we don't get any Nev Campbell because she 
uh, yeah. said that they weren't going to pay her enough. So she refused to take on the role. I mean, reasonable. That's completely absolutely. Reasonable. Yeah, no, I'm I'm 100% on her side of this, by the way. I don't I'm not dismissing it. I think that's legit. If you if you know your worth, then sticking to that and not bending just because of you know your own association with a franchise. I think that's admirable. Yeah, especially if you've done five movies already, you're probably like, yeah, I'm ready for a change. I don't. Yeah, (laughs) I'm bored. Uh, Speaking of things that have many, 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 many movies, uh, we're getting another Batman animated film, which is, you know, uh, I'm not going to say too much of a surprise. Some people might be surprised with how many Batman animated things got cut from HBO recently. Yeah. 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 But this one uh, is coming out to physical media like Blu-ray and mm-hmm. DVD. That's that. So it's not like coming to HBO Max streaming. It's like the way this advertisement works is they're talking about the actual physical copies you can go and buy. And I don't know about you, Ariel, but I've actually started to do that again because I've gotten tired of titles like the licensing agreement expiring and then suddenly I can't access the thing I wanted to watch. So I've I've started buying them again. Um, But yeah, so this one is based off a three comic book run from the early 2000s that was part of the Elseworlds uh, titles of DC and Elseworlds were kind of more of a horror fantasy based uh, take on DC characters. So it was separate from the main timeline of stories for DC characters. It wasn't canon in other words, but it allowed writers to create situations that you typically would not see in those uh, comics, which is why if you watch this trailer, you might first get turned off on the fact that there's a lot of supernatural stuff going on Mm -hmm. in this trailer to the point where you're thinking even Ra's al Ghul had limits to to the amount of supernatural stuff, but there's it's going crazy in this one, but it turns out it's because it's from this Elseworld line. And in the original comics, the original comics had, and you'll love this Ariel, a very strong Lovecraftian element to them. That is pretty cool. I mean, like same with DC dark, you know, if you look at, cause Mm -hmm. Even though I was I was worried about Snyder doing that, like there's there's a whole line of DC Dark comics and and cartoon movies with Constantine and Zatanna and Etrigan and um, Swamp Thing maybe. I think Swamp Thing's a part of the Dark Universe. I don't recall. Um, yeah, I but, think you're right. Yeah, it's Swamp Thing. Yeah, I almost said Man Thing, but that's Marvel. That's Marvel. Yeah. So uh, you know this this just kind of ties in with that i honestly didn't give it a second thought other than to go oh yeah that monster looks kind of interesting i yeah. i almost had like a scooby-doo reaction to it yeah. uh turns out it was the penguin all along i would have gotten away with it too if it weren't for you and that lousy sidekick um uh, great yeah, penguin yeah. impression thanks I, I don't know where i don't know which penguin i was even attempting to impersonate at that point because it didn't sound like any of them no. um but uh yeah i i think it looks it looks neat like i it's i've only seen a few of the batman animated films mm-hmm. like i remember i saw uh the red hood one and i saw uh there was a phantom one i want to say that was this was like three decades ago at this point, I think when that one came out, mm-hmm. but I always enjoyed them. It's just that I was never deep enough in the Batman fandom where I would collect all of them. So I've only seen a fraction of the ones that came out, but this one looks pretty good. Yeah, I agree. I've seen 
so many Batman animated movies because my husband and I have a friend that whenever he comes in town, he brings like six and he's like, okay, which Batman movie are we watching tonight? And I only watch half of them with them. Uh, but you know, so there's like Batman and the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Maybe that's Superman. Uh, anyhow, there's a lot of DC animated stuff. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so yes. a lot of it's fun. Um, yeah. Wow. So, uh, you know, continuing on our trend for this month, I'm really looking to forward to 2023 and a lot of the stuff that's coming out. Um, me too. I mean, like, I know I sounded kind of glum on a lot of this stuff, but again, part of it is just that I haven't seen enough to really get a feel for whether or not it's going to click with me. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, there's some stuff like, like the last of us. I'm, I don't know if I'll be able to watch the whole series. And the reason is that it is so well done and it's affecting me so, uh, so well emotionally, like well, as in it's, it's very effective at doing it that I don't know if I have the stamina to withstand the whole thing, Look, but, that's, but it's incredibly well done. That's completely reasonable because, you know, when you ingest media, it's, it's got to bring some sort of positive value to you. And if the, the negative toll is greater than the positive value, then it's not worth watching. And that's not to say it's a bad show, but you know, it trauma is trauma. So yeah, it might just be, you know, what's weird, Ariel, here's the thing. And it sounds so pretentious. So I apologize before I even say this, but what's weird is that because I played the video game and because I controlled characters where these things were happening to those characters in a way it feels like I have gone through this and now this is making me relive the feelings I had when I went through it. And, and I, and I know that that, that almost diminishes what real trauma is. And I don't mean to do that. I just mean that the feelings I have as I watch it, it's pulling up the feelings I had when I played the game and amplifying them. And I don't know if I can take it. I, I don't think that sounds pretentious. I think that's, you know, a very good insight into how you're feeling watching a show. And that's a a really interesting actually. So thank you for sharing that. Um, If anybody else who's listening out there has watched the last of us or, you know, is excited about Mandalorian season three or any of the other things we've talked about, you should write us and tell us. Yes. If you want to tell us what you're thinking, what you need to do is travel far to a distant beach and stand on the the edge. And when the waves are lapping at your feet and the sun is setting below the horizon, just as the final light of dusk fades, the first breeze you feel whisper your thoughts upon the wind and it will travel to us and we will visit you three nights hence and tell you the answer. Jonathan, that's that's worse than the rock option. It's well, I could smell what he was cooking and decided to do something different. It's look, it's very poetic, but it's so much work. How about instead our listeners just write us on Twitter or Instagram on Facebook or Facebook or Discord on Twitter. We're LNC underscore podcast. All the other places were large Nerdron Collider. Um, And we'll get back to you. I mean, that. That's one way that Ariel will definitely see it, but I won't. So if you want me to see it, go to the distant beach, as I said, and follow those instructions and then I'll definitely see it. But uh, yeah, if you just want Ariel to see it and then she can tell me about it, you can use those other ways. Yeah. Uh, I, as always, I'm still working on an email. <laughs> uh, <laughs> our, our resolution is that before the end of 2023 we will have a working email address for the show yes uh you know take bets on when that will actually happen um 
you know, we'll give you a shout out if you're right. Uh, <laughs> but uh, until next time, it has been delightful talking to you. And I am Ariel. Uh, gonna take a nap now, Caston. And I am Jonathan Banana Up My Tailpipe Strickland. You said you were gonna cut that bit out. They, they don't know why I said it. Okay. The Large Nerdron Collider was created by Ariel Caston and produced, edited, published, deleted, undeleted, published again, cursed at by Jonathan Strickland. Music by Kevin McLeod of Incomptech.com. <laughs>